0: All right. Well, uh, we'll go to 1 John 4. Welcome, everybody that could be here tonight. I know many of you were here on Sunday, so this will probably be uh, pretty helpful, uh, at least I hope so, uh, just as we go through and and, uh, just want to bring again some clarity uh, to some of the things that we talked about. We're going to read through 1 John 4. It's about 21 uh, verses. So, uh, if you guys are are uh, are open to there already, I'll get there here too, and we'll get uh, we'll get started. Uh, I feel like I um, feel like I got one of those adult things to that reminded me I'm getting older. So um, I almost wasn't sure if I was going to be here tonight. Uh, I had to go to uh, to the doctor today and uh, have a procedure, a colonoscopy and an uh, end, uh, endoscopy. I think they call them uh, anyway. Not necessarily pleasant, and I was a little bit nervous about it, but. Uh, uh, things, uh, in a manner of speaking, uh, came out well, uh, and uh, and so got a for the most part a clean bill of health, uh, and uh, just a couple things he wants to check up on. But uh, uh, but uh, praising God today that that process is over. Uh, but it reminded me that I am uh, I'm middle aged now. I'm no longer I, in my mind. I think of myself as 25 pretty regularly, uh, but my body reminds me that I am not 25 anymore. So. Uh, anyway, what a uh, what a relief to have that over. But all that to say, I wasn't sure if I was going to be here tonight, so I had Rory kind of uh, have the guys on call because they said, well, uh, you may be fine, or you may uh, you're not supposed to drive for at least eight hours, and I forgot about that and drove down here. Uh, but thank goodness uh, Stephanie was uh, was. Uh, in the car and my, uh, I told my, my other daughters after I kinda realized I'm not supposed to be driving, I said, well at least you can take comfort in this. First of all, mom's in the passenger seat so she's got that covered, but I still drive better than, than Janae even with, uh, under the influence of narcotics. So uh, anyway. Not narcotics. It was the stuff they gave you to pass out. I've never been through that, by the way, which is pretty impressive. I was a little worried about it because I've never been under anesthesia, and I don't know how many of you guys have had any procedures that required uh, anesthesia. But um, uh, I'm talking to her for a minute. She said, "I started your drip. Go ahead and turn on your side and bite down on this thing." And I don't remember a thing after that. It was just, and then I woke up, and it was pretty impressive, uh, just like taking a, a quick nap. So. Uh, All that to say, I'm glad to be here tonight, actually, Uh, and that I'm feeling well and in good spirits. And with that, let's jump into 1 John 4. We'll read it uh, together, and uh, um, and then I'll I'll kick off a few things I wanted to talk about in more depth. Uh, Starting with verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Amen. All right, well, as I mentioned, there are a couple things uh, in particular that I wanted to to draw out, and if we go back up to um, to the first part of first John four, we see that John is clearly uh, writing this to to believers uh, and most of the epistle is written uh, from that perspective he's writing uh, and um, and John is very very protective uh, of, of the truth he's very protective of Jesus we talked a little bit on Sunday uh, that John was uh, was a man who like few others in all of history uh, walked with uh, with Jesus directly and in such a powerful way we know from reading the gospel stories that that Peter James and John uh, were uh, were in jesus 's inner circle, even more so than just the twelve those uh, they got to experience so much with him. Uh, we know that John refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. We know Peter and John had some competitive things going on there, competing for uh, jesus 's affection and attention. Uh, we know that uh, that there was a uh, almost a competitive friendship going on there uh and uh and i even recall just in my mind off the top of my head just thinking about uh you know um the rumor going around that hey john's going to live forever pretty much and peter's like is that true and jesus says what's that to you peter uh if that's the case or not and then john you know at the end of his uh of his gospel there reiterates that not that that's actually what's happening here i think john probably realized hey i'm 85 or 90 i'm getting ready to go uh but uh but it was interesting that those guys had such a unique relationship, and I would say friendship, with Jesus. Um, and what an amazing thing that must have been when they realized the, the extent of who Jesus actually was. And writing back, we see in John's Gospel, we see in, uh, in the epistles that John really has a, a strong... Um, love for Christ. Uh, if you read the Gospel of John, the level of detail that's there when you look at I, uh, Blaine, were you at that, uh, at that um, Spurgeon Fellowship that we went to? That we went to one, and, and this was the first time that this was a really illuminated for me, but you look at the example of the Passover Supper, and John describes every move that Jesus makes in detail, almost like he's recalling it uh, you know, and reliving the experience in that moment. And we realize John's probably an old man as he's writing uh, that uh, that gospel. Uh, and you just think about that, and he's recalling this, this level of detail that you don't just see when somebody's conveying a story. And it's just a beautiful picture of, you know, John is just in his mind reliving that moment that he was there with, with Jesus. And, uh, and so it's no uh, wonder that John is such a a, a big defender uh, of the truth and of trying to make sure that that there is these heresies are starting to arise even at this early juncture of, of, of the church in this this short amount of time since jesus has ascended he 's already coming against uh, opposition and uh, we 're going to look at that a little bit and, and relate that to uh, to today uh, but um, but he 's such a a, a def- Defender, a passionate defender of like look we've been we saw this guy we've touched this guy with our with our own hands and so if you don't believe Jesus came in the flesh you're already in error and it's just such a, a great thing for us to draw confidence from too just just this this ability for us to know that hey this is John writing this guy who who walked with uh, with Jesus who knew Jesus and now knows who Jesus is and is proclaiming that so uh, you know So strongly to us what a powerful uh, witness that is Uh, as many of you also were here on Sunday I I talked to you about how first John as a book in general has has played such an important role uh, in my life so I am very uh, passionate I'm very uh, um, grateful for John's letters. Uh, and I believe that that they extend beyond just my own uh, uh, the help that has been to me, I think they're they're valuable uh, for the church, and especially in this area where where John is 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 constantly talking about testing, uh, testing the spirits. Uh, you know what's the difference between walking a, a life that is true and a life that is in darkness? Uh, he wants to make sure that this is clear. He wants to be a, a defender of truth, and and that's kind of where we pick up right here in uh, in. Uh, in the first part of 1 John 4, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So again, Paul—I mean, uh, John is wanting to draw this attention to the idea that there is some heresy out here uh, and specifically, um, most people uh, believe it's it's probably uh, the influence of the of the Gnostics, and I'm going to um, talk a little bit about that. I think it's kind of fun when we get a little bit of background into uh, uh, into what we're uh, what we're talking about because it gives us context, it gives us insight. But it also, uh, I don't want to just leave it there. I think it's applicable, very applicable uh, for us today. Um, So, if we talk a little bit about the Gnostics, well, what you know, what is it about the Gnostics? What are some of the claims that they had? And I found a very uh, good uh, bit of information that I didn't have to dig too far uh, to find some stuff that I that I thought was very uh, or would be very helpful. Uh, There is, um, in this writer's view, that wrote this commentary, no book of the New Testament which is more purposeful in its attack of error. And uh, this is not just error coming from, uh, from the Gnostics, for example, but it's also self-deception. Uh, I think that's one of the things that we see, and, and that I talked about First John, uh, for me, was a great test, a barometer, a thermometer to kind of gauge, you know, what is true about your walk? What is true about your life? Because John's very clear that if you don't love, you don't love God. If you don't love others, if you can't love your brothers, if you can't, you know, love those who you dwell with, how can you love a God? who you've never seen. And John just flat out comes and says, hey, that person who claims this but doesn't, that doesn't walk in love, doesn't walk in the light, that person's deceived, and that person is a liar. And a lot of times we can be self-deceived, though. It's not that people are running around just intentionally, uh, you know, trying to deceive others, although that happens plenty. Uh, but some of us can go around uh, for many, many years in our life, like I did, uh, maybe walking in a, in a certain amount of self-deception with regard to how well we love. Um. Then the other part of that, of course, and we, we heard from Jeremy last week, it's you know talking about this idea that we cannot uh, continue to have the Holy Spirit dwell in us uh, and just live like the rest of the world lives. It's, it's not possible to do. When the Holy Spirit, when God's seed abides in us, John tells us clearly, like, look, you cannot just go around uh, and just make a practice of sinning doing what you want to do. It's impossible because God's seed abides in you. So if you're doing that, whoa, wait a second, we need to take a closer examination of what's going on here. Uh, and I'm just so appreciative to John for that, uh, because he gives us some very simple but effective tests that we can apply uh, to our walk, but also he's giving us some tests that we can apply to others who, uh, who are claiming to be in Christ. Um, now, I'm one of those people, I like to take people at their, at their word, so I'm not constantly running around questioning, you know, somebody claims to be a believer, are they really? But... I think it's important that we look at fruit, and John's giving us uh, an example here uh, to look at and to make sure uh, that those that we listen to, those that we follow... Especially those that are going out and proclaiming to be in Christ. What are some some marks that we can look at and know? Yes, or know that's questionable. Uh, and one of those very things uh, that we're going to look at is uh, is love. But we want to make sure that there's not uh, things the spirit of error. And we know that there is a spirit of error that is rampant in our culture. In Western uh, culture, there is a uh, an attack on a lot of the things that John is actually talking about. There's an attack. On Righteousness and holiness and those who would who would desire even to just live a righteous and holy life. It's very uh, much not something that's looked upon favorably Uh, and uh, and then there's uh, there's an attack on just the word of God itself being allowed in the public square. Uh, and that has become more and more evident uh, as we uh, have moved into uh, into this new, um, you know, two thousands era. I've just watched it, uh, you know, even more so than I was uh, in, when I was in school. And I remember going through the, you know, through school and uh, the process of we were trying to set up a, uh, a Bible club on campus. Ran into a little bit of uh, opposition, not too much. Uh, But the things that you see today far outweigh the things that we uh, ran into, and that's happened in a relatively short amount of time, less than a generation. We have watched uh, just such a turn uh, in our culture towards anything uh, that has to do with God. But John is very much a passionate defender of of the truth and attacking error. Uh, Many false prophets have gone out in the world. He tells us this, that there's things that are opposing the spirit of truth. He's he's talking about that, And, and the great thing is we have the spirit of truth. If the Holy Spirit dwells in us and, and abides in us, we are a community of believers that, uh, uh, that we know that we have the spirit of truth uh, with us. And he says, hey, and, gr- and you will overcome this pressure from the world because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that's uh, given to us. We have this, this, uh, this spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, given to us so that we can actually uh, do this and walk through even these challenging times. Uh Uh, He talks a little bit about the Antichrist spirit, and and quite honestly, anything that denies Jesus is the Christ, but anything that denies... What I would say John is attacking here with the Gnostic claims of the, of, uh, is that he's, he's specifically calling out uh, the flesh. He references that. Why does he reference that? He references that because, again, there was uh, some, uh, some popular teaching that Jesus didn't really come uh, in human form. He didn't really come in the flesh, so to speak. And so, uh, so John's even saying that which denies the true Christ is also the spirit of the Antichrist. And for me, in this time in this season growing up with my children raising them in this culture for me that's one of the more passionate things that i am concerned about is not that there aren't people walking around saying uh you know i don't believe in jesus of course there's that we're going to find that all the time in our culture especially there's no uh there's an obvious antichrist spirit but there's also an antichrist spirit uh that exists because there's a lot of people in today's culture that are running around saying yes i you know of course i believe in jesus uh you know, I believe in, uh, that he was God's son, even. Um, but they don't necessarily believe or represent the Jesus that we see in Scripture. There are several cults that walk around and knock on doors that represent a Jesus uh, that, that sounds very close until you start to dig underneath a little bit there uh, to find out that that's not really the Jesus that we see, but to the common person or even to somebody who's untrained in what the Bible says and, what, and, and knowing what the truth is, uh, that could very much sound like somebody who's not denying Jesus, and yet that can be just as much an antichrist spirit. And so that's, I think, where are kind of wanted to draw and bring some clarity uh, from Sunday or, or maybe dig into it a little bit deeper. So if we were to look at this, uh, and we were to look at this, John calls those people deceivers. And the Antichrist. So it's not just whether or not they claim Christ, but also that they claim a true Christ. That's very, very important distinction. Uh, So he's writing and defending passionately. He's writing to the churches, uh, and we know that there was this, this this heresy of Gnosticism. Uh, There's a couple others that are very similar, some similar characteristics. I don't want to get too deep into that. So we'll just take a look at Gnostic claims in particular. Uh, But the Gnostic claim to knowledge throws light upon many passages in the epistle. John refers to his opponents using such phrases, and pay attention to this because this is exactly what we're talking about, I know God, or I abide in Christ, or I am the light. So, you can see that the Gnostics weren't necessarily denying the concept that there was a God. They were denying, uh, and we'll see some things in here, the the substance of who Jesus actually is. These lofty claims were made by persons who did not love their brethren on earth. This is one of the things that, that John is pulling out. So, we see this example. He gives us a very simple test there in do you actually love people? That's a very simple test that we can uh, and apply. You know, when we hear somebody teaching, they may teach with fire, they may teach with passion. But the thing that I'm looking for as I hear that, even before I give them my ear, is do I see that you love? You know, do I see that, that, that your life exhibits an aroma of Christ? And I mentioned that a little bit on Sunday. That's actually um, taken the place of a lot of the things that I listen to now and that I read even uh, before I just sit down and read uh, the latest uh, book on theology or the latest uh, you know book in, uh, that's come out that that uh, talks about uh, some aspect of church church life church growth any anything like that one of the things even missions for that matter. I want to know and understand and look and see. This person lives and walks in a way that's followable. This person walks in a way that's in line and in step with Scripture. Does that mean that they're that they're error free? No, of course not. But it's setting forth a, a precedent for me that my time uh, and also protecting what I you know what I take in is important to me. And I want to know that as I'm spending time uh, reading and following uh, and listening. Uh, To these ideas that they're from people that I can look at and and admire and say, yeah, I can see uh, examples of what they're claiming lines up with what I see, at least so far in scripture. And that's an important thing that's that's become a filter for me in what I choose to listen to on the on the Internet in terms of teachings uh, and also what I choose to read. There's a lot of great teachers out there. If you have any questions, you know, uh, and you ever are wondering about that, uh, you're you're always welcome to to talk to any of us, and I'd gladly share with you my you know my thoughts and ideas. But I think this is, as I mentioned on Sunday, another powerful thing about the local church. You know, we uh, we uh, exist to to grow and to walk with one another. That's one of the, the beautiful things about about the body of Christ. Um, Matt Chandler, who's a great teacher who I like to listen to from time to time, uh, isn't responsible, in a sense, in the day-to-day walk of how you walk and live your life. So while you may glean great things uh, from some of these teachers that you listen to, uh, it 's really important to understand that 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 does not replace ever the importance of, of the of the local church and us walking through this together as, as uh, Bill was talking about we 're watchmen and we keep watch over one another. You guys keep watch over us as we teach to make sure that we are not presenting doctrine that is, that is incorrect, just as much as we uh, strive by the Holy Spirit to also do that and protect doctrine right. And that's an important thing that we do. I'm not immune uh, to, uh, to being deceived, and, and neither are you. And so we are in a partnership with one another. And that's a beautiful thing that comes, in accountability that comes only by walking hand in hand uh, as the body of Christ, doing what we are called to do, which is to be that body together with Christ at the head. Uh, so there were some walking around saying, I know God, I abide in Christ, I am the light. Uh, but John's looking at them and saying, yeah, but you do not possess love, nor do you possess obedience. So you see this written throughout John's epistle. It's woven throughout the entire thing. He talks about this on a regular basis. He keeps coming back to these two points, love and obedience. Now we know that, uh, that obedience, that righteousness is something that should follow in the life of a believer um it's not uh again we 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 don't want to go on the side where we prescribe to a, a list of rules and become legalistic in terms of of we follow this we follow this we follow this we follow this that wasn't that's not even really the spirit of the law so to speak and so we talk about that we look and we say all these things that christ has called us to do are summed up in loving god and loving our brother and so all these, even the, even the Ten Commandments, which we go to, we know it's not right to steal. We know it's not right to murder. We know uh, that, it's, that it's right to keep the Sabbath and, and to gather together as a body. We know, uh, that it's, uh, um, you know that it's important that we love God and have no other uh, gods before him. We know those things. And if we love well, if we love God well, then those things are taken care of uh, because we love well. If we love one another well, those things are taken care of because we love one another well. If I love you, I don't murder you. <laughs> and vice versa. If you love me, you don't murder me, even though you might feel like it sometimes. Um, and, you know, the body of Christ is such a beautiful place, too, in the fact that, you know, it talks about God's love being perfected in us. And I, and I kind of briefly alluded to this on Sunday, too. And, you know, before I was married, and just using this as an example, living as a single person, uh, my, you know, I get to do what I want, live how I want. And so my... Uh, you know, my, my flesh isn't really challenged that much uh, on a regular basis. But uh, in marriage, uh, my, uh, my flesh often is challenged. Uh, and uh, as you just bring two people into life that come from different families, come from different perspectives, come from different habits, uh, and things that you don't really realize. And so uh, to be able to say that I love my wife now means a lot more than it meant when I said to her I love her uh, when we were dating. And in a way, I, you know, both times it was meant 100%. But it, to me, it means more now, and especially after all the things that we've, we've walked through together. Uh, and, and she knows every flaw and everything, and she still loves me. And a lot of times, that, you know, that is an example of, of how Christ he knows every flaw, everything, and yet he still loves us and gave us this example of love to follow. So John very clearly says, look, it's not about what you know. It's not about knowledge. The Gnostics were all about knowledge. They were all about, uh, uh, you know, uh, if you want to, you could equate this to maybe even somebody who's really about theology. But they're, and they're constantly you know, doing theology. I want to know, I want to understand, I want to grow, I want to do this. And there's nothing wrong with growing and, and coming to a better, deeper understanding of God in the Scripture. But so many that I know of and that I went to school with, and we went to a Bible college, so I went to school with a lot of theologians. Um, a lot of what I see in their life has become consumed with, with knowledge and yet very little love. And consumed with knowledge... And not necessarily obedience. And in fact, the trend that I've seen with those that I don't really see walking closely in relationship with Christ is actually the opposite. You know, there, a lot of their theology is formed around culture. A lot of is formed around how do I want to live? And so not only are they, are they uh, uh, you know, adhering to a theology that gives them the freedom to live however they want to live, basically that takes God and morphs him into, into me, into my construct, rather than me conforming to what God has called me to do. It's the opposite, and, and, it's, and it's really sad <laughs> to see that happen to people who, who have studied the scripture in depth, who have, you know, have read through it, who could probably speak, uh, even some of them can speak biblical languages, uh, to some degree fluently. But if you're using the Greek to come back so that you can live how you want to live rather than using Greek to understand how God is calling you to live, that's still a problem and that's something that we see quite often uh, and so the Gnostics there's this this essential sense of lo- this loveless nature it's all about, uh, it's all about head knowledge but you know what we can get into the same pattern even uh, you know in our daily um, study in our, uh, in our in our gathering together as a church we can make it about uh just the knowledge that we're gaining and it's good to gain knowledge but what god is really calling us to is relationship with him you know it's interesting that that uh that john tells us that in order to love we have to abide in christ and if god's love abides in us then we will it will be because we abide in him and he in us and we and you know with one another in that and that's the the opportunity for god's love to be perfected in us and so um, the Gnostics weren't like that. The Gnostics were, uh, you know, were more about knowledge than they were about love. They were more about knowledge than they were about obedience. And, and friends, that's pretty rampant in our own culture, uh, even among what we would call church circles uh, or Christendom, if you will, as a, as a whole. There's a lot of that that happens. Uh, and, uh, and so that's one thing that John gives us right away as some tests that we can be on guard for. Hey, are those people who are, you know, that sounds great. You know, I, I love what I'm what I'm seeing there or hearing there. At first, but let me look at their life. You know, is that something that I can follow? You know, a lot of um, a lot of people. Uh uh, are critical uh, of david of David Platt you know if you go on online and, and do a search for the radical book you 'll find all kinds of reviews and a lot of so called uh, you know uh, Christians just will rip and tear apart and there are so many people who are just out on the internet to blog and again, this should be one of the tests that we look at uh, is that they will throw stone after stone after stone. but the question that I have when I see that is well what are you doing to love you know are you, Most of these people that I see uh, are not necessarily uh, you know advocating uh, 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 going out and loving people. They're not about the, bis- the mission of the kingdom and the, and, the, and the commission and going out and going into our communities. And uh, a lot of it just becomes about arguing, uh, and, and which to me comes down to a lot about pride. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, when you see a lot of that happening, you can see uh, that there's a lot of these uh, out there that, that uh, they're very critical of something that calls people to simply follow Jesus. Uh, and the reason why I use David Platt as an example is, again, as I'm looking through my filters, uh, one of the things I see is a guy who, uh, who loves people and who gives up the things of this world to go and to follow what he believes to be true. And so when I look at people who I'm going to at least give an ear to, that's becoming a lot of my criteria, is not so much what do you know or how smart you are, but, but can I look at your life also and see the mark and the aroma of Christ? Do you really believe what you're telling me? That's what I want to understand. You know, uh, do, do you really represent a picture of what, what Christ calls a believer in the gospel? Uh, I want to know that. I want to understand that before I lend you too much of my time uh, and my ear. Um, so that's something that, you know, that we can look at with the Gnostics and I think we can draw on. Uh, and uh, so there was a lot of um, this, this issue of knowledge versus love. Uh, then he talks a lot about the Antichrist. And i uh, and, and also hit on the, um, the Gnostics were, uh, were also very um, antinomian, which essentially means anti-law. Uh, you know, Paul writes a lot about the idea of not using grace as a license to just sin, do whatever we want to do. Uh, you know, and, uh, and John hits on that really hard. He doesn't just talk about it in, uh, in easy words. He says, look, you can't keep making a practice of sinning if the Holy Spirit abides in you, if God's seed is in you. That's not, uh, you know, that's not compatible. That doesn't work. That's, that's, that's deception. And for me, that was a lot of my story were those two items. And so it's one of the reasons why I'm so thankful for 1 John was growing up in the church and knowing a lot of this was, uh, it, I had all the head knowledge I could possibly need. Uh, especially at that point in time or that juncture. Uh, not that we don't stop learning, but I had plenty of knowledge to know how to live out the gospel, but that doesn't mean I was actually doing it. And in fact, there were a lot of errors in my life that sprung up from the fact that I clearly didn't understand the gospel very well because I understood the parts where, yes, I'm a sinner, Jesus died for me, uh, but I, um, I had no... Um, it wasn't that I didn't have problem with my sin, it's that I continued to uh, to live in it and indulge it and practice it, uh, and, uh, and essentially, um, I was on a path to death in my mind, uh, and as I'm walking through that and, and reading through this, it was just so clear to me that John was speaking to me, look, you can't have it both ways. You can't say over and over again and put on an outward appearance. It's very easy for us to do that. We can put on an outward appearance that we're following uh, Jesus, uh, but we can we can fool others and we can fool ourselves and that's one of the things I appreciated with this was simply that uh, that John's uh, book allowed me this thing is just keeps coming off Uh, so John's uh, book allowed me to really take a self-examination of my own life Uh, and at that time uh, I realized that I came up short and thank God for that, that that realization that confrontation of the Holy Spirit and here's the thing I don't believe that I was not a believer during those, during those times. In fact, it's the very fact that I was a believer that I really think that God's, uh, uh, you know, that the Holy Spirit in me and, and God's truth was, was brought so, uh, bared down so strongly upon me. Because I think I was in danger, like John writes of these guys, of going the other direction on that. Uh, and, and so the Holy Spirit, because he loves us, brings truth, brings correction, brings knowledge. And as I read that, the Holy Spirit immediately pricked my heart deeply, and I knew that I was, uh, that I was not uh, being honest with myself or with, with God or with other people around me and the people that I was walking in, uh, supposedly walking in the light with. Uh, and that's important for us because it's never too late. We don't want to be those who resist the Holy Spirit. Because the, the very fact that we that we walk and we're under uh, uh, the uh, the protection of the Holy Spirit, that he guides us, that he speaks to us, that we have that spirit of truth, then that's part of the reason why it exists, is to keep us going in the direction of truth. And so uh, it was a, a very difficult time for me. I mentioned that to, to many of you guys uh, on Sunday just about. Um, it was a tough time season of life but god uh... by his spirit used that to break me into a uh... into a new creation uh... in a sense where the foundation needed repair and the building that was being built on top of it wasn't good it wasn't sound we don't want to build on a wrong foundation so as we're looking through these things we want to we want to make sure that we're being honest with god and with ourselves the other side of that then was love and let's uh... let's jump into that real quick because i want to be able to wrap this up here in the next five minutes um, and so God also confronted me uh, through, through, uh, through a brother of mine, actually, uh, as I was walking through. Um, well, he, he confronted me in that time as I was walking through the, the depths of, uh, of struggle and being broken before him uh, and being uh, brought into a humble state. Uh, he definitely uh, showed me that I didn't love people uh, well. And that was the beginning of some change that, uh, that really began uh, to work in my heart. Uh, and I really um, uh, am, uh, am grateful for that because there were blind spots that I had in my loving of people. Uh, maybe certain types of people, we'll say. I looked at some uh, differently than I looked at others. And I felt like God was was taking me through a season where he says, look, now you get to walk uh, in the shoes of maybe some of those who you haven't loved very well. And in this, I want you to learn to have a better heart of compassion, a better heart that sees uh, people and doesn't see their sin necessarily. It looks through and sees them as people who, uh, who are hurting uh, and who need me uh, and who are just as, as broken as you are. You know, I'm the only way any of you, you know, get to, uh, to, uh, to come to, uh, to reconciliation. Uh, and I want you to be able to bring that reconciliation, my reconciliation, to others. Uh, and, uh, and I needed that. I needed to be brought low in order for my perspective to be changed. So while none of us choose to suffer, I am grateful for those times where Jesus has broken me, brought me, uh, brought me low, and, and brought me to a point of humility uh, in order to grow me uh, and to show me those blind spots. In that, though, as I mentioned, uh, one of my dear uh, friends, Chad Carpenter, and a, and a great, uh, great friend and a great uh, brother uh, to me uh, um, uh, in Christ, uh, we went out uh, one day and we were just having coffee. Uh, and uh, we were talking about, uh, about loving people. And just through a series of conversations, I realized that a lot of times I think that I love people when really uh, I tolerate them. And that was something that we talked a little bit on Sunday. But, but that's really uh, an important uh, distinction to make. Uh, you know, when we have the ability to tolerate somebody, that doesn't necessarily mean that we love people, and, and more so indifference. You know, it's very easy for us to just go through and walk through and look upon um, people in, in, in difficult situations and suffering uh, or uh, in, in various uh, avenues just being caught up in, in our life. Kind of as uh, as uh, Casey and DJ both both prayed about there uh, being caught up in our own perspective. That we miss the bigger picture and the people around us that that God is is desiring to reach out to and love through us, uh, and so I uh, very uh, much so felt another one of those pricks, but in a good way, uh, where God was teaching me, yeah, you've you've learned to love in a lot of ways, but but you also need to, to learn that indifference and tolerance are not the same thing uh, as love, and that was really powerful uh, to me. And and you know John is writing specifically to believers, to Christians. Uh, most of the time when we see love your brother in the in the it's talking about us in the church, but I have to confess that there are many times when i uh in not on intentionally, but I become indifferent even to people uh in church, right, even to my brother who's right sitting next to me in service and and I think that's just something that the Lord has brought to my attention and uh you know uh in recent years uh and it doesn't mean that i've uh, that I don't fail at it still regularly, but just an, an understanding um that that uh um, that uh, that there are those in, in our body that need our love uh, as much or, uh, as as any of anyone outside the body. But sometimes I think it's easy for us to neglect that or not think about it. But but uh, we're told repeatedly. In fact, Jesus Himself says, "You'll know. The world will know you're my disciples because of the love that you have for one another." You know, a couple of years ago we went through a real difficult season and try to try to wrap it up here. But um, yeah, with uh, and there were so many uh, from the church that just loved. On us In in incredible ways and we were blessed uh, and the Lord showed us provision through that and we didn't ever doubt it for a second that he was going to provide but the means by which he provided were were, was largely in in the shortages that we had always were provided uh, for us through the people of the church. And what an amazing blessing that was to see the body of Christ in action, in love, and how much that shaped my own desire. It's interesting when you walk through those things, how sensitive you become to others that are walking through a similar situation. So, uh, so um, you know, in that, it's, it's a good thing when we are, are the body of Christ to one another that where we provide where others lack and vice versa. We all go through seasons, and some of us uh, may be blessed enough where we never have to walk through that, but we all tend to go through seasons where there's, there's times of, of plenty and there's times where it, sometimes we're in need. And the beauty of the body of Christ and what John is saying is if you can't love one another internally, uh, then, then, uh, then there's a problem. You know, if we, if we look at our brother in need and turn a blind eye, that should be a red flag to us right away that we're not walking in truth. That's deception. Uh, and so... Um, you know, it's, it's really difficult to love a world that's lost outside uh, of the four walls of the church if we cannot learn what it means to love one another first inside the church. And we're really called to do both. It's not an either-or. Uh, so my admonishment, my encouragement is just that we as believers would be sensitive to looking for opportunities uh, to, to show that love to one another and, and, uh, and understand that we will fall short so that we also would have a lot of grace with one another. God's love is being perfected in us. It's not that we're perfect yet. It's being perfected in us. And as we do these things, as we love one another, uh, we become more like him, and more and more his love is perfected in us, and more and more a world in need of that love, regardless of what they look at and say, regardless of, the, of, the, uh, of even the false accusations they make, may, may they not be able to look at us and say, that see, they don't love each other, That would be the worst testimony that we could offer would be that we don't love one another. And I'm proud to say that um, I don't think that's a problem for this body. But that also said, I think we have a lot of room that we can continue to grow in that. Stephanie and I have felt very loved by this body through the years. There's times where in our flesh we, we can feel neglected like everybody else can. But the truth is we have been well cared for. Uh, by this body, and God has shown us his love in this body, and uh, and we need to do that for one another. Uh, last but not least, and I really am wrapping it up right now, uh, is that uh, I wanted to touch on something that you know, that's, that's, uh, that's common when we, when we run through a book like First John that has a lot of difficult things to, to read through. And, and uh, difficult meaning they're not necessarily things that even the world finds popular. It's not popular to say, hey, you need to walk in righteousness and that you will walk in righteousness. You will practice righteousness, John says, if you are in Christ. You will practice righteousness. That doesn't mean we won't fail. Uh, You know, we're going to fall on a regular basis. But thank goodness we have an advocate with the Father who's already paid the price, who already said, my righteousness is imparted on you. You also now go, my spirit lives in you. You go and live righteous as well. So when we're not doing that, we're in disobedience to what God has called us to do. Uh, But that said, um, there was a time uh, you know, I don't fear anymore uh, because I know I have, you know, relationship with Christ. I walk with the Holy Spirit. I don't fear uh, those times when uh, when I fall. And we shouldn't have to walk. In fear, And I think that's one of the things that John is saying uh, to us as well. As we end near the end of the chapter there, he's talking about there that perfect love casts out fear. Fear exists because of punishment. And, and so if we're walking in fear, that should be a signal to us or a concern to us that we should have uh, uh, an opportunity for self-examination. Because the truth is we will all fail. We all uh, will, will fail at loving one another from time to time, probably more regularly than we want to or ought to. We will all fall and you know and make mistakes and and uh, and sin on a on a on a somewhat regular basis. Uh, but John's writing these things even in his, in the first part of his book, he says, "Look, I'm writing these things to you so that you won't sin. But when you do, praise God, you have an advocate with the Father. But that is not a license for us to just go and live unrighteous, unholy, however we want to live. Uh, but we also shouldn't walk uh, unconvinced of our uh, of our, of the truth of of our standing within." Christ. And that's one of the beautiful things about this book is John said, look, you can have certainty. You don't have to walk around in fear. You don't have to be concerned. And that's a lot of why he writes this letter to us. So my admonishment as we close is just if that's, uh, you know, if that's something that that was troubling to you at all, like it was, you know, I went through a period of time in my life where uh, I genuinely was afraid when I read this. And you know what, that was a good thing for me. But it brought me back to a place of understanding uh, that I uh, was walking in my own deception for a season. And God brought me back into walking in the light and walking in truth. And so that I never have to walk in fear. So when I fail and when I fall, I'm not in fear of of losing something. You know, that's something a lot of people, I think, if we're not confident, if we're not secure in our standing with Christ, that should be a red flag to us. That we, we need to understand and have that confidence. And John says you can have it. That's the beautiful thing. So if we walk in Christ, we can have full confidence and assurance of our standing before him. And that's something that you just don't get in most of the rest of the, of the world. In a lot of the world's religions, uh, you are just wandering and trembling uh, before uh, a, uh, a, uh, a god, so to speak, that uh, you don't know where you're at. You don't know if you've done enough, if you've worked hard enough, if you've done enough things that were right versus enough things that were wrong. Thank goodness that we don't have to live by that at all, that we have the righteousness of Christ imparted to us and we can walk in the truth and we can share that love and that hope with others and we can have full confidence of our standing. And here's the thing, if the Holy Spirit dwells in us, regardless of how much we fall and fail, we have the confidence of that standing by the very nature that we have his presence. So I didn't want that to be something, I know these are a lot of, a lot of tough stuff in here, but I wanted to make sure also that none of us leave uh, ever wondering about our standing of where we are at. Uh, if we are with Christ, if we have the Spirit dwelling in us, then we are his children. And we've been given the right to be called the sons of God. What an amazing privilege that is. And and in that perfect love, it will cast out Fear. The only one who brings fear and condemnation comes from the evil one who, uh, who would love to come in and, and, uh, and to cause confusion and to create fear and doubt, uh, but we can stand in full confidence in our walk with Christ. And that was just an, uh, an admonishment that I didn't get to as much as I wanted to on Sunday. So I want to make sure and bring that uh, today, that we can have that confidence. And if you don't, come talk with us, pray with us. We want you to make sure that you have that confidence in your walk with Christ, too, that you know that you are in him and that you walk and that the spirit walks with you, too. And we have that spirit of truth. If we have that, uh, then we will recognize, hopefully, or be able to spot the error that this culture and that this time of the antichrist spirit, if you will, that's growing stronger and stronger, uh, it should become easier and easier for us to recognize uh, because it's growing strong. <laughs> and uh, and, it's a, and our ability to recognize that, though, uh, comes from walking in the truth. And, uh, and so uh, use these tests. As you uh, walk in, uh, in truth, use these tests with those that you walk with um, also and uh, from those that uh, are in the world that claim to be in Christ. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for an opportunity to come together and uh, Lord to dig in a little bit deeper into first john four and and uh, uh, God just to to come to a knowledge of even how does that apply in our in our day in our culture. Lord. We know that there is a strong uh, voice of opposition to all things God, especially things that that uh, uh, that you speak clearly about in your word, and yet people do not want uh, to uh, to hear, Lord, and and there's a move even among what we would call the more progressive uh, side of Christianity that really isn't Christianity at all. They don't look at a Jesus that looks like the Jesus uh, that we have in Scripture, and so Lord, we just pray that you would guard uh, our minds and our hearts against that, and Lord, that you would also uh, protect uh, the truth from those that would be under the influence of of poor teaching of those who look at a at a, at a Christ and present a Christ that's different than the Christ that we clearly see. In Scripture, Lord, we uh, like John want to be passionate defenders of the truth, but we also want to uh, to love, Lord. And we understand that love, uh, as the world defines it, is significantly different than love as you define it, Lord. And, and I'm just even, recon- uh, you know, I just recognize that on a daily basis when I see such an outcry for love and tolerance, uh, even in social media, Lord, and yet the same uh, mouths calling for love and tolerance uh, curse and say some of the most horrible things to people. Uh, Lord and and uh, obviously there's a lot of people who are in deception and so Lord we pray that you would guard us that you would help us to learn what it means to abide and Sunday we prayed that this would be a church that abides in you Lord and on an individual uh, basis I pray that would be true for us the only way we can learn to truly love others is by spending time with you Lord by abiding in your presence the 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 communion with the Holy Spirit happens as our as we spend time with you Lord I uh, I know that it's, it's hard for me to continue to walk in my sin when I am in and before your presence on a regular basis, Lord. And when, uh, and when the temptation to sin, sin comes, that I would run to your presence rather than, than uh, attempt to hide from it, Lord. We don't want to walk in, in fear and, and shame and even doubt uh, at your return. We want to have our heads lifted high saying, look, our king is here, uh, Lord. And I don't want a single person that's here tonight to even walk in a shade of doubt about their standing with you. So, Lord, we pray that you would give us confidence, you would give us the Holy Spirit, Lord, and that you would also open our eyes to see those areas, those blind spots that we may have that, that First John helps point out to us. Lord, we thank, we're thankful for the Holy Spirit. We're thankful for John's uh, testimony to us that we can read. Uh, and, Lord, I'm especially grateful because I believe it, it literally saved, uh, saved my life and put me on the path that I am today. Not, not just John's words, Lord, but his words pointed me to you. Uh, and pointed me to truth. And Lord, I'm grateful for that. Lord, we just pray you would go with us as we leave here. Help us to love uh, one another. Help us to love a lost world that so desperately needs to hear about you. And Lord, give us power to overcome. You don't want us to be in bondage. You want us to be free uh, from those chains of sin. And Lord, we can be free from those. Not necessarily will we always be free from temptation, but God, you give us the ability to have freedom and to walk in righteousness. And so, Lord, we pray that you would do that in us. And that only, again, comes from fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that, Lord. We need you. We confess that we need you. We can't do it on our own. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.